Welcome to the Weekend Sports Wrap Podcast, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, for the week of April, I almost said February, April 25th. April 25th is the day of recording, Tuesday, April 25th. Welcome back to the show presented by Jack and Kathleen Wood at 307 Real Estate. Thank you very much for the sponsorship. We'll hear more from them here in a little bit. Uh, I was I took a week off last week. It's been two weeks, officially two weeks since the last podcast. Took a little week off last week, just, you know, unplanned. Just had to recharge the batteries a little bit. You know, I'd been posting uh, you know, a lot in a row, and I, I just decided to take a little week off. So here we are, though. You know, not a whole lot happened last week, I think, in terms of newsworthy stuff. Uh, not at least in anything that we couldn't cover in this week's rendition of the show. So we are back with the Weekend Sports Rep Podcast. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in. Remember, you can listen to this podcast wherever you get your podcast. If you're, if you're listening to this on Shared Media, you can listen to it on any of your podcasting platforms that you prefer. Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, whatever it is. You can take it on the road, hook it up to your phone, listen to your boy James talk about all things that are happening in the sports world. I would greatly appreciate uh, if you'd leave a rating as well, if possible, on any of those podcasting platforms. I'd greatly appreciate that. Five stars. And um, yeah, we'll move up a little bit on the trending page. We'll get more national ears on this. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But I do like the localized version of this. Shout out to the people in Sheridan that are listening. I really appreciate you that are coming in week in, week out, supporting the show. I very much appreciate that. Uh, this week, we're going to talk... Some NBA uh, NBA playoff reactions. Uh, we got the NFL draft coming up that's this week. That's going to be the the primary source of the show today. Uh, draft starts on Thursday, continues into Saturday. So we're going to talk about the NFL draft a little bit, and then uh, you know whatever whatever hijinks we get into all along the way, whatever just rolls into the old noggin, we'll start talking about. But let's start with the NBA playoffs uh, first. The NBA playoffs so far, very entertaining stuff. Uh, you know, NBA playoffs more than I think a lot of other. Playoff spectacles and any of the other four major sports in America, anyways, in the United States, um, breeds the most, uh, you know, out off field, off court uh, news headlines and stuff like that. If that makes sense, in in the NBA playoffs, it's just because of everything that can happen on the court will eventually and almost always bleeds off to the court. I don't think there's any other. A uh, sport that's better at promoting its stars than the NBA. There's more uh, stars that I think are, are recognizable across the world in the NBA than there are in the in any of the other four major sports that we have. I think that's I'm almost I'm I'm pretty confident in saying that LeBron James is more uh, known across the world than any other any of the other uh, four major sports superstars, if you will. And that's part of the reason why I love the NBA playoffs so much. It's it's a it's a merry-go-round of uh, speculation, rumors. It's like watching Desperate Housewives, but, you know, it's in the NBA and it's very much real life. You know, it's like watching real life, uh, real world, real world San Diego or whatever any of those shows are called. Jersey Shore, if you will. Maybe not as hardcore as Jersey Shore, but it's like Jersey Shore, but it's real life. It's actually happening in front of us. You know, it's actually happening on the court. And then we get to see the bleed off of it in the press conferences afterwards or, you know, the podcasts afterwards that it feels like every NBA star has their own podcast. We hear about a lot of the stuff that happens on the court uh, in all of their individual podcasts or something like that. And a lot of them have uh, very interesting personalities for the most part. And that's hard to come by, I think, in a lot of those other major sports, especially uh, like football. You don't see it very often just because uh, you've been they've been kind of trained to speak in coach speak, I guess is what we can say. A lot of those press conferences that we see from 
quarterbacks or anybody that is on a football team for whatever reason. And it's not like the NBA is completely oblivious to any of this, but the NFL is especially bad at having a lot of coach speak in any of their press conferences. A lot of those guys don't have uh, the most interesting personalities. I would say we, we have like Tom Brady's podcast that he does. I, I can't remember who it's with, but it's called let's go. And it's still, you know, it's just, it's the coach speak Tom Brady. You know, it's not like we're getting a whole lot of interesting details into Tom Brady's uh, life through his own podcast. It's just him talking about certain things about Tom Brady or in the world in a Tom Brady like way. Uh, and I think in the NBA, their stars do that a lot better, better, better where, you know, you get Draymond green uh, immediately after stomping on, not immediately, but you know, uh, at least a few hours after stomping on the chest of DeMontis Sabanis and during the uh, playoff game where he would eventually get suspended for he is dropping a podcast talking about what he feels about the system or how he feels about what he did and the the reason that he did it and that sort of thing in his own Draymond Green way. We get that with LeBron when he does uh, the barbershop whenever they whenever they're planning on doing that. He doesn't do a lot of the podcast. I don't think if I remember correctly during the season, uh, you know, very spotty here and there. Kevin Durant has a podcast. I know that uh, and the list goes on and on. There's just a ton of NBA players that have or former NBA players that have uh, podcasts where a lot of the guys come on. And like actually show their personalities for the most part. And I appreciate that about the NBA. I think that's what makes it very interesting for a lot of people, especially in my generation. Uh, it's a lot easier to watch the NBA for somebody in my generation, the younger generation, because it feels like a lot of them have personalities. Uh, and they're also they also feel um, like they're growing up in the same generation as me or in people that are in the same generation as me. Whereas the stars in the NFL, for the most part, I, I you know, I wouldn't say all of them. Patrick Mahomes is still very young. Uh, Joe Burrow, obviously very young. And I think Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes are the next coming Josh Allen as well uh, of the next wave. But a lot of that sport in the NFL was dominated by older dudes, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, uh, Drew Brees, you know, the list goes on and on Russell Wilson. He's not necessarily old, but you know, he gives off the old vibe, if you will. Um, so I'm not not saying that, you know, it's completely dominated. I think the wave, uh, the next the next handoff of the generation is definitely happening in the NFL. And I think it's maybe going to change the way we look at the sport a little bit differently as we go forward. Uh, but the NBA playoffs, they're going on right now. They've been so much fun to watch. Jimmy Butler and the Heat, uh, they won last night. They're on the brink of pulling off an 8-1 upset. They're up three games to one. I'm not entirely confident in them pulling this off, to be honest with you. I still think the Bucks have enough firepower to come back and win 4-3, uh, but it's going to take a lot. For whatever reason, For, the, for whatever reason, Jimmy Butler uh, turns into uh, Michael Jordan whenever he's playing in the playoffs. He's playing like an absolute madman right now. He's averaging 36.5 points per game. Granted, it's only four games into the postseason, but still, 36.5 points per game in 35 minutes played. On 21 and a half field goal attempts, he's shooting 62% from the floor. He's absolutely turned into a, a Michael Jordan-esque player in these in these first four games of the playoffs. And he's going to drag that uh, Miami Heat team that was not any good throughout the season. And Bam Adebayo has more or less kind of disappeared during these playoffs, as he has done before. And the Heat have started to shoot a little bit better in the playoffs in in terms of from three, anyways. Uh, and just as a, as a team, they've started to shoot better. They were one of the worst playoff or one of the worst shooting teams in the NBA, uh, the first like 60 games of the, of the regular season. And then for whatever reason, the back quarter of the season, they turned it up a notch and then now they're bringing it to the NBA playoffs. And then Giannis Antetokounmpo is still dealing with an injury for the Bucks. Uh, he played pretty well last night. He went 38 minutes, uh, shot 12 of 22, 26 points, 10 rebounds, 13 assists. So a triple double for Giannis. 
Uh, but it still feels like he's he's definitely dealing with some sort of injury. You could see him getting he's using the massage gun uh, whenever he did go to the bench. Jimmy Butler last night, just in the game that put them up 3-1, uh, 19 for 28, 56 points, uh, 15 of 18 from the free throw line. Uh, the dude absolutely took over against the Milwaukee Bucks, kind of dragged the team, uh, the, the heat to the, the finish line. Essentially, he looked like he was the only one putting up points for the heat during those last basically three, four minutes. It felt like, um, and they're on the way. I mean, it, I, I'm not going to say they're going to pull it off. I think at the very least, the bucks are going to push it to a game six. And then if the heat have any chance of closing it out, they'll close it out in game six at home. But, but they have to, they have to close it out at home. If they're going to do this, they cannot let that get that series get to go to a game seven and then back to Milwaukee because that place will turn into an absolute madhouse. And it's not easy to win in Milwaukee, uh, especially in a, you know, a must win game. I don't trust. I mean, they're up three one. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I don't necessarily trust the heat to win a game seven in Milwaukee. But, you know, I mean, they've shot lights out so far, to be honest with you. They've definitely outperformed uh, what we thought they were going to do in the playoffs. I thought this was for sure going to be a four uh, at the very a sweep. And, you know, Giannis getting hurt definitely changes the idea of the, the entire uh, framework of the series, obviously. But uh, I thought at the before the series started, I thought they were going to be gone in five or six, I guess, at the most. But here we are. Heat, a very strong possibility of moving on. I think I read somewhere it was like uh, if it's the leading seed, if they're down 3-1, I think um, they have like an 86% chance of coming back. The teams that have gone on to lead 3-1 as an eight seed have gone on, or the lower seed, I guess, have gone on to win 86% of the time. Whereas if you're the higher seed, I think it's closer to like 99% of the time, I'm pretty sure. So the odds do slightly dip in Milwaukee's favor a little bit, even though it's still drastically in Miami's favor, obviously, because they're up 3-1. Uh, but as the the top seed, they still have home court advantage. The Bucks do. They still have two of the last three games going back to Milwaukee. Uh, so they still have an advantage. They're going to have to win in Miami at least once. They're going to have to beat Miami uh, in game six if they if they obviously want to have any chance of winning the series. Um, so they're going to have to win three straight in order to pull this off. Can the Bucks do it? I think they can turn it around, but the thing is, you got Mike Budenholzer as head coach. He's doing more of the stuff that he's had issues with where he's not adjusting uh, in either side of the court offensively or defensively throughout the series. Uh, it's He's kind of referring back to what he was before they won a championship in 2021, where the biggest problem that the Bucks had, even though they had a championship roster even back then uh, in 2019-2020, uh, the, the biggest problem that Budenholzer and the Bucks had was the fact that there was not a lot of in-game adjustment, and you're seeing that a lot here with the Miami Heat, where the Heat, they have one of the best in-game adjusters in uh, the NBA in terms of head coach and Eric Spolstra, and it looks like at times he's just completely out-coaching Mike Budenholzer. Uh, not putting the whole blame on Mike Budenholzer, like I said, Giannis being out. I think, was he out two games or one? I can't remember exactly. I think he went out in the first game. I don't think he played in game two or game three. I can't remember exactly. At the very least, he's missed one game for sure. Uh, and that obviously hurts them. But in that one of the games that they that Giannis was out, they actually they dominated the Heat. But still, I mean, losing losing Giannis and then him trying to come back at least it looks like he's at least hurt uh, is not something that's easy to compensate for. So uh, and then obviously the Bucks even last night they did not shoot necessarily very well, just thirty two and a half percent from three. So do I think they can do it? I think they can come back. I'm not going to count out the Bucks obviously yet. Two of three, two of the next three games at home. That's a big prob, uh, a big thing to take into consideration if you're talking about the series being over. They can easily win. Uh, I think not easily, but they can go in and beat the Heat in Miami. I don't think that's completely out of the question. Uh, the big question is if they do go in and beat the Heat in Miami, 
can the Heat go to Milwaukee and beat Milwaukee in Milwaukee in a game seven scenario? Or even coming up in game in game five, couldn't they beat could they beat Milwaukee in game five in Milwaukee? That would be a stunner. I think that would be I don't think the Milwaukee the Bucks will lose in five in Milwaukee. I think that would be a travesty if that happened for the Bucks. That would be uh, you know, abandoned ship at that point. That would be a disaster. Um, but we'll see. At the very least, it's interesting, and I, I I like watching playoff. I mean, it's the epitome of playoff basketball where just one team, one guy, really, for the Heat, Jimmy Butler, just turning it up a notch in the playoffs and uh, just outplaying everybody else on, on the floor, essentially, uh, so far in that series. Uh, a couple of notes here as well. Uh, for the rest of the playoffs, Lakers, they're on the verge of beating the Grizzlies. A 7-2 upset is what that would be. Uh, I put upset in quotation marks, to be honest with you, because I don't really see this as a huge upset. Grizzlies still dealing with a couple of injuries. John Morant hurt his hand. Steven Adams is out entirely. A couple other guys are out entirely for the Grizzlies. They're not playing necessarily at full strength. Uh, but that's, you know, not not any, not any uh, bashing on the Lakers. Obviously, they still are playing very good. Uh, they look like they have really become a much better team since the trade deadline since they've kind of created a different uh a different approach at how they're playing. They made the trades, they went and got D'Lo, they went and got Jared Vanderbilt, just a different guys to surround LeBron James. And I think it's working. Rui Hachimura has played pretty well for them as well. And I think it's working. Uh and obviously it's working. They're up three one over the Memphis Grizzlies as a seven seed against a two seed and they just look like a completely different team now. And you know, LeBron James, even at 39, almost 40, uh, you're not going to count out LeBron James, uh, no matter what CD is just because, I mean, we've seen him drag, I would say worse teams to the NBA finals, not necessarily at this age. Obviously that was when he was with the Cavs a long time ago. Uh, but I mean, still LeBron has, has yet to show us that he is, um, aging in any sort of way that is human. So, uh, you know, it's going to be hard to count him out unless they, you know, drive a stake through his heart, like the vampire that he is living till he's 150,000 years old, still playing in the NBA. I expect nothing less from him. They've also got great contributions from Austin Reeves, the the legend, Oklahoma legend. We love Austin Reeves. He's playing very well for them. Anthony Davis has refrained from getting hurt, which is good. That's what they need. They need him to stay on the court as much as possible. And then those other guys, D'Angelo, D'Angelo Russell, they ha- he hasn't played necessarily great in the playoffs, but this last game in game four, he played relatively well. He had 17 points and seven to 15 shooting. And then Rui Hachimura had a big game in game one against the Grizzlies. So uh, if they, if those guys continue to step up when they're absolutely needed, Dennis Schroeder's another one, uh, then I could see this Lakers, this Lakers team going as far as LeBron James can actually absolutely take them. So it'll be interesting to see. I, I, I again, I wouldn't be surprised. The Los Angeles, uh, you know, pulled this off. I think it feels like this is, this one's on the vert. I have less faith of, Memphis coming back and winning this one than I do Milwaukee coming back and winning their series. If that makes sense. Memphis just seems like at times they look defeated. They haven't They're You know, they're still a very young team. They don't look like they're necessarily ready for a team like the Lakers who have guys on the team, like LeBron, like Anthony Davis, who have gone on to win championships. They know what this grind kind of feels like where they have, uh, they're down and they have to come back that sort of thing where they have to climb a very steep mountain to get back to where they want to be. They had the, the Grizzlies do not have that sort of experience on their team. Uh, the only one that kind of has that experience is Steven Adams, but he is hurt. He's not even playing in any of the games. So uh, it becomes more interesting that way. They're still a very young, like I said, a very young team. They're still uh, very much immature in that sense. Um, and kind of some of the ways that they're approaching the games, Dylan Brooks, great example, feels very immature. He may, he said the quote the other day of, uh, he pokes bears. That's his thing that he enjoys to do. 
that seems stupid. Uh, you're talking about LeBron James, uh, if not the greatest basketball player of all time, the second best basketball player of all time. You won't see anybody have him lower than number two unless you're talking to somebody that's, you know, a premium jerker, if you will. Uh, and that being Skip Bayless, obviously, he's somebody that loves to just he does what he does to get on people's nerves and to get people talking in a sense that are, you know, to make him the center of attention. Of course, he's going to say the stuff that he says. But anybody, anybody normal that actually watches the game of basketball or anything else, I'm not saying that he doesn't, but I'm saying, you know, takes it seriously, isn't just messing around. Uh, I mean, it's one, two. There, that's Michael Jordan, LeBron James, or LeBron James, Michael Jordan. There's no in between. It's not going to, you know, there's no difference. There's no way he's number three in the history of the game. Uh, it's one or two. And for them to have that on their team and then the Memphis to try to have to come back against a guy like that down 3-1, you know, that's not easy to do. And I don't I don't see them doing it. I think this is probably the end of the road for the Grizzlies. Uh, I don't know if they'll do it in, I don't know if the Lakers could do it in five. I think they'll probably do it in six as well back home. Uh, but I could very easily see them doing it in five as well, to be honest with you, just because it does seem like at times... Um, the Grizzlies, their immaturity is kind of getting the better of them with some of the shot selection, just some of the plays and stuff like that. It just, you know, it, it doesn't look great on the court uh, in terms of watching them play for the Grizzlies. So, and then Dylan Brooks just, I don't know what he's doing. Uh, it's doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know why he's doing what he's doing. I don't know why he's quote unquote poking the bear. doesn't make any sense. You know, just leave the bear be. Leave the bear be. You can move on. Then you could poke the bear after, you know, you can poke the bear after he's done, after he's, after he's killed. Feel free. You know, what's the, what's the bear going to do then? You can't do anything if he's dead. Poke the bear. Who cares? It's gone. But, you know, doing it while he's trying to eat you alive seems, you know, that seems stupid. You know, there's a reason why that's poking the bear is kind of synonymous with stupidity. And that's what it is really. It's just stupid. It doesn't make any sense to do this. There's a reason the guys that are synonymous with poking the bear, your Patrick Beverly's, your Dylan Brooks, your Lance Stevenson's haven't really done anything. You know, they're just poking the bear. And then after that, they don't do anything. The only one that really has is Draymond, but now, but even for Draymond, it's cost them. I mean, they don't lose that series against the Cavaliers when they were up three, one, if he's not necessarily poking the bear. They win a championship with that team if they go on to lose this series with the Kings, which we'll see. But if they do, I think that that loss of Draymond uh, in game three, I guess, is what it was. Uh, that suspension and then everything that came around it as well, that probably hurts them in the end. So, you know, it just doesn't it's it doesn't make any sense why you would poke the bear, quote unquote. It doesn't make any sense. Just It's a stupid act. And there's a reason it's synonymous with being or, or just stupidity in general. You know, they, they have this weird, there, there's a weird notion that the people that, for these guys, it feels like poking the bear is a sign of bravery, uh, essentially, or strength, or uh, nonchalantness. You know, I don't care what the bear does, it doesn't matter to me, because, you know, I, you know, I, I can ignore the bear, or I'm more annoying than the bear, but it's like, you know, it's more just synonymous with stupidity, because if you come out, Dylan Brooks, for example, poking the bear of LeBron James, and then he comes out and drops 20 points, 20 rebounds, which is what he did last night, and then you completely skip out on the media, then you just look like an idiot, you know, and like, that's not a good idea, I'm like, just go out, get the media, you know, let take the lashings, if you will, then get out of there, you can't poke the bear and then just run away and expect it not to come back and bite you, you know, that's not how it works, if you're poking the bear, you gotta take it if the bear comes back and tries to bite you, I'm being, the metaphors are, it's all muddled, it's all muddled now, okay, doesn't matter. The point is Lakers in five check market.
Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for a break to hear from one of our sponsors. That is right. A sponsor of the program. We have our first sponsor on this program in the history of the program, and it is Jack and Kathleen Wood at 307 Real Estate. Now, look, ladies and gentlemen, I get it. You got to navigate the real estate market. It is impossible. Everybody on House Hunters makes it look super easy. They just go into three different houses and they pick the house they want. Boom, bang, boom. Episode's over. They have a house. It's not that easy, ladies and gentlemen. And Jack and Kathleen Wood will be able to help you throughout that process. And even the people in House Hunters, they have a real estate agent. And these people, Jack Wood, Kathleen Wood at 307 Real Estate could be your House Hunter-esque real estate agents. So if you're looking to buy real estate, sell real estate in the Sheridan area, these are the two people you should call Jack at 307-763-1249 and Kathleen at 307-461-7203. So listeners, one of the only things I'll ask from you is to support the people that support the show. And that includes these two, Jack and Kathleen Wood at 307 Real Estate. Thank you very much for the sponsorship and make sure you contact them for all of your real estate needs at 307-763-1249 and 307-461-7203. All right, continuing on here, the Warriors and the Kings, they look like they're going to go seven games. That's one of the best series in the uh, in the playoffs right now. It is the best series in the playoffs right now, I would say. Uh, and the, it's just a ton of fun to watch. Aaron Fox, he got hurt, though. His index finger got hurt. Uh, we'll see how much, how what an extent of an injury that ends up being. But... If he's healthy, it's one of the best series you'll watch. They run the offense through. The Kings run the offense, a historic offense, one of the greatest offenses of all times, just in terms of numbers, uh, through DeMontis Sabonis. And he's been great. De'Aaron Fox has been great. I'm still watching. I'm still waiting for um, Kevin Huerter to pick it up shooting-wise. But the Kings are very much sitting, hanging right there with the the, the champions, you know, the defending champs, uh, a team that has been a dynasty for the last almost a little under 10 years, seven years, probably give or take. Uh, and, and, you know, the Kings can knock out the, the, uh, the Warriors in the first round this season. Uh, it could be the slang of a dynasty. We'll see what happens in free agency. Obviously I'm getting ahead of myself, but that does happen. I think it could be very interesting uh, what direction the Warriors end up going in terms of who they resign. If they're looking for trade options for different players uh, with some of the contracts that they have on their books right now. It'll be interesting to see. I don't know what they'll do. Um, and, you know, again, this is all speculation. I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, but, you know, for the Kings to knock them out in the first round, that would be that would send waves, I think, across the NBA uh, with in terms of availability for certain players on their team. And especially for the Warriors uh, to see that maybe this isn't an option that's necessarily working anymore. Now, granted, they've had a couple of guys out for the entire season. Gary Payton Jr. hasn't been there. Uh, Andrew Wiggins has been dealing with some stuff off the court who hasn't been there either. He's kind of getting him, getting back into himself uh, into playoff basketball, just basketball form in general. Uh, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they take it as something that uh, is a flash in a pan for the Kings uh, or just a flash in a pan for them in a negative light, I guess, essentially. Uh, or if the Warriors see this as a sign of the degrading team in terms of age availability and stuff like that the future and you know i don't think curry's going anywhere i think curry is probably going to be a warrior for life thompson's probably going to be a warrior for life i'd imagine green i'd be surprised if he stuck around given some of his antics but it seems like they put up some of it they've put up with his antics before uh so it'll be interesting on what they decide there i i'm curious to see i wouldn't be let me put it this way i wouldn't be surprised to see him leave that team i think he is probably on his way out the door but 
you know, he's another guy that should be synonymous with Warriors basketball forever. So I wouldn't be surprised if he came back as well. Um, if they figured a way to bring him back, Jordan Poole, no idea what they're going to do with him. Uh, his contract is looking worse and worse by the day just because he has not played well uh, in that series so far. And he just doesn't look like he is playing uh, the smartest basketball in general. If you're watching him play, uh, it'll be interesting to see how they try to figure that situation out. And uh, so on and so forth. We'll see. We'll see where the Warriors end up. And the Kings, it feels like the Kings, this is just the beginning. Darren Fox is still young. Onto Sabonis is still young. A lot of that team is still very young. Only guy that's super old, uh, super old, quote unquote, uh, in terms of basketball is basically Harrison Burns. He's the the veteran on that team, essentially. Uh, so it feels like they're kind of on their way up. Mike Brown, new first year head coach. He's already second all time in the Kings uh, playoff victories, which is very funny. He's won four play or excuse me two he's won two playoff victories for the kings played in four games uh coached in four games for the kings won two two playoff victories for the kings and he is already the second all-time leading uh playoff victory uh playoff winner in terms of head coaches for the sacramento kings which is very funny he just won unanimous uh head coach of the year so we'll see we'll see where they end up i think they're going to be very good for uh for years to come and then the uh the knicks the knicks are th- up 3-1 on the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's a very interesting series. Actually, it's not really. It's very interesting to see where... The only thing that's interesting, I think, about the series is, one, the Knicks might actually be good again. I, I, I think I'm confident in saying they might actually be good again. Uh, and then what, what will happen to the city of New York at this point? Because we're watching the Knicks play. They're up 3-1 on the Cavaliers, and we're watching the streets of New York just flood with Knicks fans. I'm curious to see... And it's not going to happen this year. I don't see them winning the championship this year. But God forbid the Knicks win the championship in the next two to three years or something like that. That city, uh, it'll it'll be like the scene from if if anybody's here has seen has seen uh, Bruce Almighty uh, when he dream or he wish somebody wishes or prays to Bruce Almighty God essentially uh, that these Buffalo Sabers win the Stanley Cup and then it cuts to there's like a news station on or something like that. And they show the Buffalo Sabre. There's like a reporter in Buffalo after the Sabres win the Stanley Cup. And there's just stuff on fire. You know, all the power is out and stuff like that. Fans are just tossing, you know, throwing cars over and stuff like that on the streets of Buffalo after the Sabres win the Stanley Cup. That is what's going to happen in New York if the Knicks find a way to win a championship with the team that they've put together here. Jalen Brunson looks like a bona fide year in, year out all-star. Julius Randle has turned out to be a very good I think player to pair with Julius uh, with Jalen Brunson, in my opinion, uh, RJ Barrett looks like he's finally kind of turning in, uh, turning a corner, coming into his own essentially as the not necessarily the third option on this team, maybe battling for the second option on this team with Julius Randle. Uh, but you know, I, I think the the one two with Jalen Brunson, RJ Barrett, or one two three with Jalen Brunson, RJ Barrett, and Julius Randle, and then Josh Hart was a great get for them as well uh, during the trade deadline. I thought that was a great pickup for them. Uh, two guys that have actually played together and Jalen Brunson and Josh Hart when they were at Villanova together. I think that was a great pickup. And I don't think they're going to win the championship this year, obviously. I don't think they're good enough to do that. Um, But if they win a playoff series, you know, New York might be heading into curfew lockdown territory because it's going to be absolute bedlam in New York if they find a way to win a playoff series against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, The Knicks have looked better than the Cavs, obviously, throughout this entire series. I mean, for the most part, it's not like they're winning in fluky ways either. They won by 20 in game three. Uh, They won by nine in game one. They inched out in game, uh, uh, excuse me, nine in game four. And then they inched out a victory over the Cavs in game one, lost in game two. So 
uh, you know, I, I think the Knicks for the most part have completely outplayed the Cavs and, and I'm a little bit surprised by that. I thought the Cavs would be a little bit better built for a playoff run against a team like uh, the Knicks, a little bit smaller of a team. Uh, I thought Jared Allen and uh, Evan Mobley would be uh, playing much better than they actually are right now as the two bigger guys for Cleveland. Uh, Donovan Mitchell's not shot incredibly well throughout this series. He's been kind of outplayed, I would say, by Jalen Brunson. Uh, but regardless, I mean, it's not impossible Cleveland Cavaliers come back either. You know, it is the Knicks. No offense, Knicks fans, but it is the Knicks. It's not, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they blew this either. But it would be, I would be interested to see just because I want to see how New York reacts to seeing the Knicks finally win a playoff series. It will be interesting to see how uh, they would react the Knicks would react if they went on to win this series. And then God forbid they win the second round series, the semis and get into the conference finals. New York would be shut down for, for days, for days at that. I mean, they would take a whole, they would let everybody go home for a week and just wait for the Knicks game to come on because that's what the Knicks for whatever reason mean in the metropolitan area of New York. Um, and it's one of the worst run teams in the entire country when it comes to professional sports. But here we are, you know, on the brink of them winning their first playoff series uh, in man, since Anthony was there, probably since Mello was there, if I remember correctly, I think they got to the semis when Mello was there at one point, um, maybe even the conference finals, if I remember correctly. But anyways, regardless, uh, we'll see what the Knicks do. I, I think they are. I think they're on their way of winning uh, this series. I think they I think they will win the series. I don't know how much further they get from there, but we'll see. I, I'm curious to see how New York reacts uh, to them winning the series against the Cavs. All right, let's move on. Went a little bit longer than I would have liked for the NBA playoffs, but here we are. You know, not not that I would have liked. You know, I like talking NBA playoffs. It's fun. When they, we're going to take a shift, but I'm happy we talked about NBA playoffs. Let's shift to NFL draft. It's NFL draft time. Comes up on Thursday, uh, Thursday the 27th of April. It's right around the corner. Literally two days away as of recording this. Uh, first round's always fun. Uh, you could put bets down and stuff like that of where guys are going to go. It's always a good time to watch the NFL draft. You always get... Everybody that watches the NFL draft, I think it's this over exaggerated confidence in who they're picking, no matter what pick it is, to be honest with you, because I do this with the Vikings all the time, even though they've picked for the most part in the back half of the draft or, you know, not close to the top for in the, like the last four out of the last five years uh, in the draft. But um, they either have the, they have this weird overconfidence in whoever they're picking that this is going to be the guy that leads you to the promised land, no matter who it is. It could be an interior offensive, like a guard from like Northwestern, but it, that you're taking with the third pick in the draft. But for whatever reason, I do this and NFL fans do this. They're like, he's the one. This is the guy that's going to take us to the playoffs and then to the Super Bowl. He is that dude. And it could just be some random guard from from the University of Cal or something like that. Yeah, just Cal University. It could be something like that. It could be some tackle from the University of Southern Florida, USF. And we're like, especially with the first round, it's not necessarily with the later rounds because everybody kind of starts to tune out with the later rounds because there's so many picks happening. Uh, but with the first round, like when the, the guys come out with a jersey, they get their pictures taken and stuff like that. They get the hats. It's like, you know, it kind of builds up to this over-exaggeration where we're like, this is it. We find we solved the issues that we've had with this one pick. This one pick is going to fix everything for us. I do that. And I'm, I would say I'm pretty relaxed when it comes to whoever my team is picking for the most part. But even, you know, I, I always watch the first round, first and second rounds, but the first round, whoever it is that we're taking, I'm like, that's the guy that's going to get us there. We finally did it. We finally picked. And you know, I, I fool myself every year because of course 
one guy isn't going to change the trajectory unless you're picking a quarterback, which most of these guys, uh, most of the teams are not picking quarterbacks. But, you know, even with the wide receiver picks or the running back picks or uh, the linebacker picks, I'm sitting here like, that's him. He's the dude that's going to be raising the trophy, the Super Bowl trophy at the end of the season. And I don't know why that is. We just have this weird, over-exaggerated confidence that our teams have completely figured out. They have solved the formula to uh, to figuring out the draft and figuring out just football in general with the first pick that they make, uh, which is why I like the NFL draft. It's just weird. You know, it's it's just the weird over-exaggeration of confidence that I just can't get enough of. Uh, because even even though I know it's wrong, I, I'm not going to be right. You know, obviously these guys are not going to lead by themselves, themse- the team to the promised land and get those teams to Super Bowls most of the time, unless they're quarterbacks. But it does matter because I'm going to keep watching regardless. Uh, all right. So we're going to go through the first, the top five picks, uh, the top five teams in the draft and the first round. Uh, then I'll talk about some more interesting possible picks and stuff like that. Unfortunately, we'll start with this. Not a lot of Cowboys, not a little Wyoming Cowboys. And, you know, that's probably fair enough. There weren't a lot of, I mean, the Cowboys didn't necessarily show out on either side of the ball that impressed, I think, a lot of people. Uh, Nobody in the draft uh, that, in terms of mock drafts, seven-round mock drafts or anything like that, that I saw taking Wyoming Cowboys. So that's unfortunate, but could change this year. We'll see. Uh, Let's start with the first pick. Honestly, first pick is is probably the most boring part of this draft. I think, in my opinion... First pick is all but solidified. I think the Panthers are going to take Bryce Young. I don't think it's going to change at all. I would be stunned if it's t- if if anybody else uh, if the Panthers take anybody else. They're going to be taking a quarterback. So if they end up do taking any if they do end up taking anybody else other than that, it's going to be a quarterback. It could be Will Levis. Um, I don't think it'll be C.J. Stroud, but I think Will Levis is in there. Bryce Young seems like the main pick, though. Uh, they could make a reach for Anthony Richardson, but we'll see. Uh, but in my opinion, this is it's Bryce Young all the way. There's no reason to believe otherwise that it's not Bryce Young. I think Bryce Young is the first pick in the draft. But this after that is where it gets very interesting. The first pick is the least interesting part. Uh, we have the Texans as the second and the 12th pick in the draft. We'll start with the second, though. Uh, the team, the Texans need basically everything. Uh, it's hard to point at something that they don't need to be honest with you, except maybe cornerback their cornerback play last year. Wasn't terrible. It was actually pretty decent. And they had their first round pick from last year starting for them. And he was probably the worst cornerback that they had that played consistent snaps. So I, and that's Derek Stingley jr. By the way, the LSU cornerback from a year ago, uh, I would be surprised if that continues. I think Derek Stingley jr. Is probably going to get better as his career goes forward, but they had other guys around him that were actually playing pretty decent. Uh, so, and their tackle, their, their tackle situation is pretty well, uh, situated with Laramie Tunsil and he's one of the best tackles in the game. So, um, they should be okay in those areas, but, uh, in every other sense, in every other position in the game, they, they need, they need help, uh, QB wide receiver, uh, especially wide receiver since, uh, Brandon Cooks is gone defensive line, uh, interior line guard center guard. They need. Uh, free safety is something they need. They could probably use some help at linebacker. They need a lot of help. Uh, and there are rumors QB most important position in any sport in arguably the world. Uh, the QB is the most important position. And guess what? Houston Texans fans, you might want to turn away. There are rumors swirling that the Texans do not plan on taking a QB at the second pick in the uh, second pick. And if that's the case, Texans fans, I, you know what? I don't normally call for this, but burn the jerseys. I think it's time. I think you can burn the jerseys. If you're Texans fans and you, the second pick in the draft is not a QB that's being taken, 
There's no way. There is no way that that's happening. You're continuing with Davis Mills. No offense to Davis Mills. He plays okay. He's very average. He's bang on average. But with the talent that is around this 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 drafted quarterbacks in the top four prospects, for them to have the second pick to not take a quarterback would be mind-numbing. It wouldn't make any sense. I don't care who they take after that, whether it be Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, two defensive linemen, uh, Anderson being an edge rusher, Jalen Carter being an interior defensive lineman. Uh, yeah, they are not going to provide. I don't care if Will Anderson has a 25 sack season or Jalen Carter has 25 sacks as well as an interior defensive lineman and gets like 25 tackle for losses on top of that. It's not going to matter because your offense is going to score about 17 points a game because it's Davis Mills. No offense to Davis Mills. All right. No offense. You're bang on. You're bang on average. You're going to make a great. This is, I, I sound like I'm being um, passive aggressive. I'm not trying to be passive aggressive. I'm being he can he's going to be a very decent. <laughs> There's no way to say this without making it sound like I'm a jerk. He's going to be a very good backup, similar to like Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think he can come in, sling a little bit. He's going to be a solid backup to have somebody as a rookie. I think that somebody can learn behind. But I mean, if you're the Texans and you don't take a quarterback here, it's just it doesn't make any sense. You can wait a year, I guess, but I mean, there's plenty of talent in this draft uh, that I, they could be just banking on, like Caleb Williams for next season, hoping they get the first pick in the draft. There's no guarantee of that. Uh, you have the second pick in the draft this year. Just take the quarterback. Just take Anthony Richardson. Just take Will Levis. Just take CJ Stroud. Your pick doesn't matter. Other than Bryce Young, Bryce Young's almost certainly going to the Panthers. But if you know, after that, you still have three solid QB prospects that you can take, and and you know, there's nothing wrong with Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, or anything like that. But if you're in need of a quarterback as a professional football team in the NFL, and you're passing as the second pick in the draft of top prospects in the league, that uh, top QB prospects in the NFL that could provide a the very least a jolt. The QB prospects that are in. This draft, in my opinion, are better than Davis Mills. Like, I just, I believe that they are better. They could see it otherwise, but I think that's a regretful decision. Uh, and for them to move forward without a a good quarterback situation, the Texans should just, uh, the, the, the Texans fans should just rip off the jerseys and get rid of them. They could be waiting here to drag a Caleb Williams, but there's no guarantee. There's absolutely zero guarantee that they they get the the number one pick in the draft at that point. Uh, there could be teams worse than them. There's no guarantee that they get that number one pick regardless, even if they, you know, they, they back out of the season to try to wait for uh, a QB for next year. It just doesn't, there's no guarantee for that. So you have the second pick plan for now, you know, do, try to get the good QB prospects that you have Right now, it doesn't make any sense for them to pass on that. They do have the 12th pick. Maybe they're hoping for somebody like Will Levis or Anthony Richardson to fall to them in with the with the 12th pick. But at that point, you might as well just wait for one of the other defensive linemen uh, because the D line uh, the D line is very deep. The prospects for the D line are very deep in uh, in this draft. So just might as well wait for one of those guys to drop to you or hope one of those guys drops to you uh, with the 12th pick. But you know that that's the second pick. It, it's very interesting. I I'm very Interested to see what the Texans do here. I think alignment would be very, very, especially a D lineman, even though D linemen have become more and more important in this game. But you got you look at guys like TJ Watt, who has become uh, a premier pass rusher in this league for uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they're not getting over seven and nine because 
They don't have an answer quarterback. They don't. I mean, they have Kenny Pickett, who could turn into a very good quarterback, but he's still very young. Uh, And, you know, TJ Watt coming out there and putting on unbelievable seasons uh, of of defensive ability in terms of stacks and in terms of tackle for losses. And it doesn't matter because they don't have any any effectiveness on offense because of their quarterback play. We're, We're watching it happen with a similar team in the Steelers and their other teams in the league. Uh, the Browns are another team with Miles Garrett, one of the premier passing, uh, pass rushing seasons we've seen just this past year. And it didn't matter because they didn't have an answer quarterback. Deshaun Watson came back and he wasn't nearly as good. He didn't play very well at all. Uh, Jacoby Brissett was, you know, he's average as well. He's not, you know, a world beating uh, quarterback or anything like that. So I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense that they don't have an answer at quarterback. They have the second pick in the draft. Take the quarterback. I mean, there's plenty of good quarterback prospects in this draft that are high graded, that are going to be very, that should be very, uh, very good in in the next level, depending on how you develop them and so on and so forth. Um, so, just draft the quarterback. Texans draft the quarterback. I, I, you know, I was ranting there. Uh, the third pick, Arizona Cardinals. This is an interesting one. Uh, they need, uh, they got a couple. They need defensive linemen, cornerback for sure. Uh, some uh, offensive lineman situation as well needs to be improved on. Um, but we saw JJ Watt retire. Their D line definitely needs some some help for sure. Uh, but this is a team with the third pick in the draft. I could see this team trading down for sure. Uh, they're going to want to get out of this pick just because there's so much depth in the positions that they absolutely need. Um, um, they could take Devin Witherspoon, who is the cornerback, um, the the clear number one quarterback cornerback in the in in the uh, in the cornerback class, but it, it feels like they could trade down and still land on Devin Witherspoon. If not, there are plenty of D linemen in this class that you could get with the 12th or the 11th pick or something like that, that are still very, very solid prospects that could probably go. If it was any other draft at the very top of the board, if there wasn't, you know, Will Anderson, the Jalen, the Jalen Carters uh, and so on and so forth. So it'll be interesting to see what the Cardinals do here, but I think for sure they're going to be trading down. Um, they could get a, you know, like I said, they could get a possible star halfway down. Um, there is a clear number one at quarterback in Devin Witherspoon, uh, but they they also have a deep enough class and cornerback that you can find solid re- reinforcements in the middle of the first round if you're the Arizona Cardinals. So I think um, I think they're more than likely going to trade down. Only way I don't see them trading down is if they, I think they shock everyone and they end up taking a quarterback or really, really end up liking Jalen Carter or Will Anderson, but they just re-signed Kyler Murray to that contract, so I don't think they're going to be taking a quarterback, uh, but if they really, really love what they see in Jalen Carter or Will Anderson, then maybe they take either one of those guys that they're still there, uh, depending on what the, uh, I guess the Texans do, essentially. Pretty much know that the Panthers are going to take, uh, the Panthers are going to take Bryce Young, but we'll see what the Texans do, um, but we'll see. I think they're going to trade down, though, for sure, and that, that's going to lead into something here in just a little bit. Uh, the Colts are the fourth pick. They need a quarterback as well. They've been a quarterback carousel for vets and stuff like that uh, for the last, ever since Andrew Luck retired in the end of 2019. Uh, they need a cornerback as well, and then offensive line could use some help. Uh, I'd be stunned if they didn't select a QB here. They would have a pick of the litter after Young, I think, Stroud, uh, Levis, uh, Richardson, if if uh, the Texans don't end up taking a quarterback, then they could pick basically whoever they'd want other than Young. Uh, so, you know, like I said, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, all very good quarterbacks, very good prospects that I think w- at least one of them, if they make the right selection, you know, there's bound to be one of those guys being ends up being a bust that's bound to happen just because it's the NFL. Um, but I would be curious to see 
who they would end up taking here. And if they're uh, probably Will Levis, I would imagine, because he is more the pro ready quarterback from everything that I've I've read. He looks like he's more uh, in the pro ready situation. And the Colts, I think, are kind of hoping that whoever they draft at quarterback can be the key piece that they need to kind of lead them to the playoffs, because this is one of those situations where it does feel like they are probably about a quarterback away, a quarterback and maybe a wide receiver away from from making that jump to possible playoff contention. It wasn't long ago. We were talking about the Colts as being one of the most dangerous teams. Jonathan Taylor, as their uh, their their running back, their defense has been pretty solid the last few years. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what the Colts do here. I think more than likely, though, I mean, I, I would be stunned if they picked anything other um, other than quarterback. But if Arizona does trade down, this is another situation. If Arizona does trade down to someone that does need a QB as well, such as like the Titans, uh, and if the Texans end up taking a QB, then they could be picking whatever is left at the top of the board, which might send them in a different direction as well, which might send them towards the cornerback route, wait a year and see what they can get next year at uh, quarterback, see if they can push for uh, that top spot in the draft. Um, but we'll see if, if Arizona ends up taking a quarterback for whatever reason, Tennessee trades down or excuse me, not if Arizona is there Arizona trades down and Tennessee moves up to try to take a quarterback. And then if the Texans take a quarterback, I think we could see them drafting a corner back here uh, and picking like Devin Witherspoon or even trading down. I could see the Colts trading down here. If they lose all the prospects that they wanted at the quarterback position, I could see them trading down here as well. Uh, but we'll see if nothing else happens. I think uh, Arizona feels like a foregone conclusion. They're probably going to trade down given the depth that they of the positions that they need in this class. Uh, and if the Colts, end up staying in that situation, uh, then it's possible they'll get probably two of the people that they have on the board, whether it be Levi, uh, Levis or Richardson, Stroud, Richardson, whatever it is, um, then I still think they're going to be taking a quarterback in that situation. Uh, so we'll see. I think I think Levis is probably a safe pick there. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks with the fifth pick. This is this one's got to burn if you're Denver. Denver fans, this, this sucks. Uh, this would have been your pick, Denver. This would have been your guys' pick. Uh, they got this pick from the Russell Wilson trade. The Seattle Seahawks got this pick from the Russell Wilson trade to Denver. And the Seattle Seahawks are coming off a wild card appearance. They only went nine and nine, obviously. Uh, so it's not like they blew the doors off of the season, but definitely overachieved. I think what they were anticipating trading Ray Russell Wilson, their best franchise quarterback that they've ever had. Geno Smith surprises everybody and plays very well. Uh, and I think, I mean, obviously they're going to roll with Geno Smith, see what else, if he can stack a couple seasons together. Uh, and become a another pretty solid core quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks. And the fifth pick is something that is very nice to have for them to try to stack extra players uh, that they need uh, in terms of depth to try to make that next jump. Uh, they absolutely need interior offensive and defensive lineman or an edge rusher. This pick screams Jalen Carter if he's still there or Will Anderson if either can fall to them. That would be really lucky. Uh, I think one, if not both of those guys would be gone, I would imagine. Uh, if, if I'm looking at this correctly, Jalen Carter or Will Anderson probably goes to, uh, Houston, given all the rumors that we're hearing, if Arizona doesn't trade down, one of those guys is going to go there, but if they do trade down, then one of them is probably going to fall to Seattle. So, uh, we'll see if that happens. Uh, but if not, it's not good enough for interior offensive linemen, uh, in terms of the actual depth of the interior offensive lineman class. So they could be looking for that in later rounds. So I don't see them taking an interior offensive lineman here with this pick. Uh, they also desperately need a receiver after Lockett and Metcalf. It's very, very dry. Uh, their depth is not good at receiver. Their slot receiver situation is not great other than 
Lockett, who slides into the slot, the slot receiver uh, position sometimes. But after Lockett, Metcalf, it's a very, it's not very deep in terms of uh, what they have at that position. So we could see them take a wide receiver here, but this is a very high spot for a lot of the wide receivers here. Maybe Jackson Smith and Jigba would be one of them, but uh, he didn't play. They basically he missed all of last season with Ohio State, so. That might be a reach for somebody like him. You might see him fall just a tad, but after him, it's kind of a, not a steep drop off, but it's definitely a drop off in terms of talent uh, in ranking in terms of uh, a lot of the big boards that we've seen so far in uh, the guys that we, uh, that we have on the big board. So I don't think they're going to be taking a wide receiver this early in the draft. They might wait or try to snag somebody in the second round. If they can, if you're the Seattle Seahawks to try to shore up the depth in that position, Uh, it's not a very deep class for, uh, wide receivers uh, this season. So it'll be interesting to see what the Seattle Seahawks do. I think they're almost certainly going to go D lineman here uh, because there are a couple guys towards the top that they could take for sure. Uh, guys like other than Jalen Carter and uh, Will Anderson, they could take guys like they could take a guy like Nolan Smith or something like that. But that's also a reach for Nolan Smith. I think in, in this draft uh, going fifth would be pretty high for a guy like Nolan Smith. I think this early in the draft, he's probably going to slide just a little bit. Tyree Wilson has been climbing up the draft boards as well. The, the edge defender from Texas tech. We'll see where he goes. Um, but I mean, the Seahawks, in my opinion, this feels like uh, if Carter or Will Anderson are there, they're absolutely taking one of those guys. If for whatever reason, both those guys are gone, then they're probably going to try to reach forward the best receiver in the class in a lot of big boards, which is Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, but I think that's probably the reach. They're not going to get an O lineman this early in the draft. I think they can wait till the second round and grab a decent O-lineman, maybe even the third round, and grab a decent O-lineman, especially in the interior. There's not a lot of high-grading guys uh, that you'll see in the top half of this draft on the offensive line. It's not the best draft for offensive linemen in terms of prospects. So we'll see what the Seahawks do. Some other interesting picks outside the top five that that I'd like to take a look at. The seventh pick, that is the Raiders. They need cornerback, offensive lineman, D-lineman, also slide quarterback in there uh, because... They have Jimmy G who he has his moments. You know, we all know the Jimmy G story by now. It's, you know, he has his moments and then he, he has his moments, you know what I mean? Where he just completely uh, capitulates and falls back to earth. And this is kind of a disaster, but then he has his moments where it's like, Whoa, okay. This guy looks like the guy that they, they wanted from new England all along talking about the 49ers. Uh, we'll see what he could do with the Raiders. Uh, Devontae Adams is probably the best receiver. He's going to be playing with that. He's ever played with. Uh, we'll see if that changes anything, but Here's the point. Uh, if any of the other top four QBs fall to this spot, to top to the seventh pick, Richardson, Levis, um, Stroud, Young, for whatever reason, even though I don't think Young's going to fall this far. If Young doesn't go one, he's definitely going two. Uh, but if any of those other three kind of fall here, they will absolutely take one of them, in my opinion. Uh, if not, they could be picking any number of quality D linemen here as well. But I think if Richardson maybe is possibly one, we've seen, I mean, Richardson's kind of been all over the place when it's, when, it comes to some of the the mock drafts that I've seen, some of the rumors that I've seen. He's been all over the place, and Richardson's got like a crazy, crazy arm talent. You know, one of those guys that is. It feels like he has the arm talent to do whatever he wants to, but you kind of have to build a lot up around him as well. The accuracy is not entirely all there. Some of the pocket presence isn't entirely all there from a lot that I've read, uh, and some of the you know the downfield action and stuff like that. Decision making isn't all there just yet, but he's got all the intangibles. He's he's built like an ox, can throw the ball like seventy yards. I mean, the guy is the guy is built at he he's constructed out of marble. So, if Anthony Richardson falls here. Uh, I could see him. I could see the Raiders definitely picking up on that. 
Uh, and, you know, and then Jimmy G is kind of stuck in the same spot, but they, they might use Jimmy G as somebody that that Anthony Richards can, can kind of learn off of, which is definitely something I would expect. I don't think Anthony Richardson gets, dra- Richardson gets drafted, then he's immediately plucked into the starting quarterback position. Um, he's just not there yet uh, from everything I've seen. So, um, but, it, you know, Jimmy G, I think that would be another situation where he gets drafted, where Richardson gets drafted, and then Jimmy G is kind of on a clock, it feels like, at that point once again. Um, but, if none of those QBs are there, I think they're probably going to look D lineman because there's a lot of quality D lineman here, obviously. And then, uh, or cornerback cornerbacks, probably their biggest need, uh, for the Raiders. Anyways, I think if Devin Witherspoon falls here, uh, to them, to this team, as, as well as one of the top D lineman prospects, it'll be interesting to see which direction they go. Uh, Witherspoon, like I said, by far from Illinois, one of the best corner, the best, uh, cornerback prospect in the draft after him, it's kind of a little bit of a drop off as well. Uh, and with the depth of defensive linemen in this draft, they might take Witherspoon. I think if Devin Witherspoon falls to this spot, I think for sure they're going to take him. Uh, the Lions are in front of the Raiders, and the Raider or the uh, the Lions do need a cornerback as well. So I would fully expect the Lions to be taking uh, Witherspoon in their sixth pick. But if he doesn't, if the Lions don't end up taking him, uh, then I think the Raiders will take him almost certainly. Now, if it's Richardson or Witherspoon that could become an interesting conversation again with the D lineman as well. If it's Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, that fall to this spot uh, and Witherspoon as well as also in this spot, then it also becomes a very interesting conversation. We'll see which direction they go. Uh, they probably need a cornerback more than they would need a uh, interior or edge defender. They still have Max Crosby interior D lines a little bit more of a mess for the Raiders, but I think, I think you would rather draft a all world cornerback in that situation because of how important that position has become than a interior defensive lineman where you can kind of wait for the second round, the third round, maybe even next year to draft a, uh, an all world interior defensive lineman as well. So see what the Raiders do. Uh, and then we have the Packers, uh, the, the trade of a lifetime finally went down. We saw Aaron Rodgers. He kind of teased it a little bit. He said, yeah, all intention to play for the jets next year. That was, you know, his way of saying it felt like it was in the works. Uh, but now it's officially, it's official, officially official. Uh, they, the, the Packers have traded Aaron Rodgers to the Jets as of yesterday. I think it was yesterday that it became Monday for, for the listeners, the 24th of April, uh, that it became officially official. Uh, and now the Packers have the 13th pick of the draft. They have needs of quarterback, obviously, tight end, wide receiver. They still have Jordan Love, and that's the ultimate question here. Do the Packers... Trust Jordan Love. Do they finally hand the reins off to the to the quarterback from Utah State that they drafted, what is it, two, three years ago or whatever it was? Uh, do they finally hand the reins over? Do they see a starting quarterback future in Jordan Love? If not, I have a crazy theory alert. Crazy theory alert. Ring the bells. Ding, 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 ding. Crazy theory alert. What if this was the team? Let, let me preface this actually first by saying, the Tennessee Titans, they have the 11th pick in the draft. So their offer is going to be probably a little bit more interesting to a team like the Cardinals for just this year alone, obviously. Uh, a, a pick swap, maybe throw in a second rounder if you're the Tennessee Titans for next year or something like that. Um, whatever else to try to move up to that third overall pick. But if you're the Packers here, here's my crazy theory. What if this team, the Packers, they trade up to the third overall pick to the Cardinals? They throw in their 13th pick, maybe next year's first round pick. I don't know. Uh, next year's two second round picks or something. They just try to outbid the Tennessee Titans or whatever they have because uh, they have the draft capital to do it. Now they have two second round picks next year, but one of those second round picks becomes a first rounder if Aaron Rodgers ends up playing 65% of his snaps with the Jets. So 
if they trade a first and a second round, then then that conditional second rounder that becomes a first rounder to the Cardinals, is it possible that they take that that the Cardinals take that package rather than what the Tennessee Titans would decide to send them? That becomes interesting. Do they try to? Do the Packers try to move up to three, get their quarterback, the absolute quarterback that they want in the future? Remember, they drafted Jordan Love in the late twenties of the draft that they were looking at when they first drafted him, and this is no, you know, no, we haven't seen Jordan Love really. Uh, work full time under. I mean, we've seen it a little bit, and he hasn't been stunning by any means uh, from what we've seen so far of Jordan Lev. But he hasn't necessarily been, you know, the premier guy given all the resources and that sort of thing. They haven't really tried to obviously tried to build around Jordan Love yet. Uh, but I think it's an interesting situation now with the 13th pick. It's still a still a very it's still a nice pick to have uh, if you're the Cardinals. I think that becomes a very feasible option where they go to the Cardinals. They say, hey, whatever the Titans have. We can match, plus we have this conditional pick where if Rodgers ends up playing 65% of the snaps and all in, all you know inclination shows that he's healthy, you know he's going to be ready to play, obviously, for the Jets. And if that happens, then Packers might be moving up to the three spot, take any of those quarterback uh, prospects that we were talking about. If Texans still don't take a quarterback in this grand scheme of the scenario, they could have their pick at C.J. Stroud. They could have their pick at Anthony Richardson. They could have their pick at Will Levis. That becomes a very interesting situation that I think is now here's the thing. None of them are going to be able to match Aaron Rodgers productivity at the very first year. That's where you kind of get to the point where was this really worth it in the end? Uh, because you're really banking on the selection that you make at quarterback at the three at the third overall selection. But I think you could really if it works out, you're very much jump starting, uh, jump starting the franchise once again, previ- like you previously did with selecting Aaron Rodgers to kind of sit behind Brett Favre. It could be that cycle all over again if they find a way to move up uh, and get a quarterback of their choosing at the three spot. Um, like I said, they have the draft capital to make it work. In 2023, they have one first round pick, two seconds, and one third. 2024, they have one first, two seconds, one that could become a first, and a third as well. So I think they have the draft capital to do it. Uh, I would be, I would be surprised if the call wasn't being made by the Packers front office that they weren't at least you know, throwing it around as a possible option for them to try to do. If not, they could go to tight end here. They could go wide receiver here. Jackson Smith and Jigba might still be on the board at this point. Probably not, but he could be. If he does fall into their lap, then that, that'd be a great pickup for them. Uh, we'll see what they try to build around Jordan Love, at least in this first year. I'd be surprised if they give Jordan Love more than like a year, maybe a year and a half. We haven't seen him really. I mean, obviously, we haven't seen him start a full season or anything like that. We've seen him play in a couple games, uh, but he doesn't have, you know, a lot of the stats that would jump off. Like, we know everything we need to know about Jordan Love. He has yet to start any of uh, any of the games. I mean, he could be the guy that they drafted late in the first round that could be the next guy after Rodgers. Clearly, I mean, he's, he's young. I think he's 24, 25 right now. Uh, he's still 24, so it's very possible that he does turn into that guy, but we've seen a couple of the games where, you know, he, he has questionable decisions, but again, he's still young. So it'll be interesting to see. I think, I think it's possible that that conversation, again, we had the whole Josh Rosen fiasco with Arizona. So not everything is out of the question for any of these teams. I think trading up, if it's possible to do to really get one of the best quarterbacks in this draft for the Packers, isn't out of the question. I would be surprised. Like I said, if, that call wasn't at the very least being made for the Packers. So we'll see what they do. I think that's a, that's a crazy theory. I think it's possible, but it's very low percentage. Uh, I think here they end up just going tight end wide receiver. One of the skill positions. I think I, I don't think they really get too crazy with it. I think if Jackson Smith and Jigba falls to them, 
And I think that's somebody they're going to be taking if it's, it could be Dalton Kincaid from Utah, the tight end, Michael Meyer, something like that. The other tight end from Notre Dame. Uh, we'll see. Uh, but I, I think that's a, an interesting, that the crazy theory is an interesting prospect to have uh, just thrown on your lap. I think it's, it's not entirely out of the question. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the call was being made uh, by Green Bay, Green Bay's front office. So we'll see. Uh, as for locally, the Broncos, we'll start, we'll talk about the Broncos just a tad. Uh, they are in a bad spot, ladies and gentlemen. They, they, they not in a good spot. They are, uh, I think they only have a third round pick right now, if I remember correctly. Uh, they have all of their picks, I believe next year for, uh, for next year's draft. So this year, unless they're trying to move up, I don't know what, that's the thing is, I don't know what they really have to be able to move up in terms of capital. It's, it doesn't seem like Russell Wilson's going to be going anywhere, obviously, uh, and they just signed Sean Payton as a quarter as a head coach, and he's been uh, with Drew Brees for a long time. So it feels like he might be a decent fit for Russell Wilson. Who knows? Uh, they don't really have the capital. It feels like to try to move back into the first round uh, with any of these teams, to be honest with you. So I don't see them. Maybe the second round, I guess, if that's possible. That's uh, that's not out of the realm of possibility. I would be surprised if they are kept in just the uh, in just the first. Uh, the excuse me, the third round of this draft. I would be stunned if that's where they just end up making their first pick. If they just live with it, they have to be making some sort of calls or something like that to try to get back into uh, the second and, or the the second or the first round. They have two third round picks, fourth round pick, fifth round pick, sixth round pick uh, next year. It gets back to a little bit normal. I believe they have all their picks next year as well in 2024. Um, so we'll see what they do. I'm not sure what their plan is. I have no idea what they can really trade. It'll be interesting to see what they try to cook up to try to get back into those early rounds. Uh, but, you know, they, they need offensive line. Uh, they probably need another linebacker and they need to, to, to call for run. They need running back as well. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. I, I'm not sure if they can move up to the earlier rounds. And if they do, I'll be interested to see uh, what sort of concoction they create and make up to try to move into those early rounds. So. We'll see Broncos. They get the third pick, uh, the third round pick number 67 and number 68. So uh, the first two, first uh, three, three and four in the first round of the, or in the third round of the NFL draft. So we'll see what happens. NFL draft Thursday, ladies and gentlemen, I'm excited. I'm excited for the NFL draft right on the corner. Let's all get over exaggerated confidence for the NFL draft. I'm excited to see whoever my team picks over the Minnesota Vikings pick is going to lead us to the Super Bowl, because that's always what happens, right? Then that one pick is going to take us there. Uh, anyways, that, I believe, ladies and gentlemen, is going to wrap up the show. Thank you very much for tuning in. I'm happy to be back. We're here talking sports once again, uh, and uh, we're all just chilling. You know, we're chilling. We're waiting for the draft. We're watching NBA playoffs, uh, NHL playoffs are going on as well. Not, you know, hugely uh, versed in the NHL, to be honest with you. That's why you don't hear me talking about it too much. I apologize for that. I'm not the most avid hockey watcher in my in 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 my life. There, I mean, I'll watch some playoff hockey just because I like playoff hockey, but I don't know a lot about what's going on in the hockey world. Unfortunately, uh, I should be getting better at that, but I mean, I got no draft, I got no NBA playoffs, you know, a lot on the plate. All right, unless we'll take it one step at a time. Uh, but for now, thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, thank you to the sponsor, Jack Kathleen Wood, 307 Real Estate. Make sure you take check them out as well. Uh, thank you very much for sponsoring the show. And uh, remember to leave a rating. Weekend Sports Rep Podcast, wherever you find your podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Pandora, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts is where you can get 
this podcast here at immediate.com as well, podcastwyoming.com as well. Uh, so make sure you check any of those podcasting platforms for the show. Leave a five-star rating if you don't mind. Uh, but if not, thank you very much for tuning in. And this has been the Weekend Sports Wrap Podcast, and I am your host, James Timberlake.